Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alf Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee here. Today we are tackling one of the all-time greatest Metallica songs, One. But I think everyone's in pretty much clear agreement about that and today it's myself the guest if you're not familiar with the show it is normally myself and a guest we're going through every single Metallica song in alphabetical order if you want to come on the show and discuss a song we've got about 20 30 slots something like that 25 slots available in the last couple of months of the show last three or four months of the show so uh metallicapod at gmail.com is the best way to do that get in touch with me there and I'll let you know what is up for grabs Patreon is there as well if you want to support us on Patreon it is greatly appreciated and you get access to anything that I do like episodes like this weeks maybe even a month before they come out on the normal feed i'm doing two episodes a week now so there's always new content up there i want to give a big shout out both to steven and big danny cool aka danny derryberry both of those guys recently became patrons and they were both recently on the show for some great episodes of wolfman and nothing else matters also you can find us at metallica pod on twitter you can support us on itunes leave a review all the stuff that i say at the start of every single episode hopefully you've got the picture yet today i'm joined by a new guest all the way from greenfield Massachusetts. Aaron, how's it going, sir? Hey, Tom. Thanks for having me on. I've been a listener of this podcast almost from the very beginning. Wow. Back from the two by four, eight my bitch days. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> what about yourself and Metallica? Like, what's the beginning there? I first heard of Metallica around 1986. I saw Master of Puppets at the record store. Mm. I thought the album cover was pretty cool, but I didn't know any of the music. They, they weren't on the radio and they didn't have any videos. But then a friend of mine let me borrow the cassette tape of puppets. And when I first heard it, I didn't like it. It was too fast or intense or right. something like that, whatever. So I ignored Metallica for a while. Now you cut to 1989 and Metallica is going to put out their first video. And MTV hyped the shit out of it. And I don't know exactly why, but when I heard this song, one, it suddenly just clicked and I got it. My sister did too, and she had the Injustice for All tape, so I swiped it from her, and I just loved it from the first listen. So I got my own copy of Justice, went back, got the first three albums, and I was just bananas about this band. Right, right. And has that, has that been pretty steadfast since, you know, we talk about the Load era, St. Anger, like, where do the opinions lie? Well, you know what, Tom? I'm one of those fans. The first four albums are kind of holy writ, sure. and then after that it gets more up and down, a little bit more spotty for me. But yes, I've always been a fan. I've never not been. So do you remember watching the video then? Because we'll get onto the video later. In my opinion, it is one of the greatest music videos of all time. It's fantastic, yep. And I remember watching the premiere of it, and then MTV played it constantly. Mm -hmm. So I saw it quite a bit. So this song turned me on to the band. Yeah, yeah, as I'm sure many, many other people as well. And I mean, look, let, let's get on to one because one is a mythic track in the history of the band. It's one of their most played songs, most adored songs, and quite rare for the band. We kick off with some sound effects the distant pattering of mortar fire, uh, sergeants calling for their grunts to go over the top of the trenches. Maybe I'm getting a bit of um, Stockholm Syndrome here, I don't know. It sounds like Hetfield to me. Can you hear that? I do, and I always thought that was James, too, that go, 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 yeah. go. Yeah, that always sounded like James to me. 
Yeah, I'll yeah. bet it is. I, I've tried to find out if it is or not. I mean, people let us know on metallicabrodegema.com. We've got some you know big fans out there that know everything about it. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it is as well. He sounds very like Arlie, Emery, sort of in that steez. It's quite sad, really, because the, the ultimate resolution of what his urge is uh, comes clear as we get through the song. Quite apocalypse now as we get the twisting, whirring helicopter blades atop. And then the riff enters. Like, it's like a mini opera straight away, isn't it? It's so much more adventurous composition than they were trying in the previous three albums. Yeah, I think the template is there with Fade to Black and Sanitarium. Mm -hmm. But this takes it up a level in terms of complexity. Yeah, and then into that riff which is just so solemn and and mighty. And, you know, we've established this on previous episodes like Murder One and Fade to Black. I, I, do you play much guitar yourself? Are you familiar with the instrument, Aaron? Or? I am not a musician per se, but I'm familiar with musical terminology i have many musician friends and yeah yeah i mean i mean look, I, I play guitar but very much in an amateur position i'm not going to go out, out of the window <laughs> here but like it's it's got like you know the shape that's being used really the power chord shape that they're building the riff around is the same shape as fade to black of sanitarium it's this two four shape and we hear it in murder one as well but um this this opening riff to one that hetfield's playing it's so elegiac so rueful there's a sense of regret that leaks from it it's so solemn isn't it an atmospheric it really feels war-torn it really is it's that arpeggiated those arpeggiated chords mm -hmm. it's stark it's ominous yeah. it already gives you a sense of dread right off the bat yeah and you mentioned fade to black as well and i think structurally there's so much similarities between the two you know they both start off with these figures they both have uh you know elongated kirk solo here love kirk's lead line here at the start it, it, you know it, it's symptomatic of great lead lines that you can sing it i bet you and i we could just sing it right now you know it's just it's so hummable it's so yeah, memorable. It's very melodic it is incredibly melodic and i like the tone as well it's quite flinty and thin you know very unusual for Kirk, you didn't hear him play like this very much up to this point. No, and you know, in the way Fade to Black builds and builds, and he has a like this kind of has another thing as he goes up, you know, which is very, very reedy, very scratchy and itchy. And I love the mood here. And one of the things we hear as the band come in that you don't really hear on Justice, you can hear the bass quite audibly. A little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's not very, it's not super no, high no. because famously we all know that you know Jason kind of got taken out of, yep. of the mix. They took him down, but yeah, you can hear it a little bit yep. on this track. Yeah, it is there, and I mean, yeah, I, I, I love the riff, the the open note as well, the chomp of it, the Hetfield uh, rests upon, and um, I mean, talking about the intro solo, one of the things I like to do um, before I do the episode is just watch a few live performances. Normally. You know, the, the 20 minutes before I'll do an episode, I'll just watch two or three performances. And I was going through, and I wanted to see them do it recently, so I found them doing it on the Worldwide Stadium Tour. Now, people, seek this out. Edmonton, Alberta, August 16th, 2017. Kirk horrifically fucks up the solo. He misses <laughs> so many notes. And I was listening, and I was like, oh, this is a bit off. And then all the comments are like, what the hell is going on? Like, you know, and I, but but whatever. It's got, I think he, he writes it absolutely brilliantly. And, you know, we move forward, and the main riff gains a few extra notes as it pulses. And there's a real momentum. And, you know, the, the, the classical sections as well, before we get to the verse, I, I love all the acoustic guitar ornamentation on top of it. It's just a... The, the the piling is magic. 
Yes, and I didn't expect that when you first hear it, too. All of a sudden, there's acoustic guitars, and you're going, oh, what's happening here? Yeah. Then that kind of really is a callback to the uh, Fade to Black and you yeah. know, the, the slow ballad type music that Metallica used to do. Yeah, and one of the things I didn't realize, doing a bit of research on this, in Paul Brannigan and Ian Winwood's great book, Birth School Metallica Death, they're talking about the origin of this song. Quote, elsewhere, inspired by a conversation that Hetfield had once shared with Cliff Burton regarding the horror of the notion of a soldier returning from war, bereft not only of four limbs, but of the power of sight, speech, and hearing. So, I mean, you know, the fact that this is going back to a chat with Cliff as well, I don't know if you're aware of that. I've never heard that before. I never heard that story. I do know that the movie tie-in Johnny Got His Gun, and yep. I was aware that they had written this prior to that. They weren't aware of the book or the movie mm-hmm. prior to writing this song. So that actually kind of makes sense to me, that Cliff story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, like you say, that I think it's Donald Trumbo, uh, the novel that it was based on, that they drew it from. And, you know, Metallica are, maybe on the surface of it, don't appear to be, but they very much are a very literary band, you know. For whom the Beltar was named after a Hemingway novel, we have the Cthulhu mythos running through. I'm sure there's lots of other things that are, that are missing out here, but, you know, certainly those two. And, you know, Maiden did that to a certain extent, but not too many metal bands. I don't remember Dave Mustaine quoting any Shakespeare, you know what I mean? He didn't really go into that direction um as we get into the lyrics as well the subject matter the topic i mean in my opinion this is some of the best lyrics james have ever written and i think they almost a sign of great lyrics they can exist outside the incubator of the song not that they need to but if you were just to read these lyrics on the page they are absolutely you know they're morbid aren't they they're entrancing in such a gruesome way I've always heard this song sort of cinematically. I, maybe the video had something to do with that too. But it's obviously it's about the soldier. He's trying to describe his perception of his surroundings. I think he doesn't really quite understand what's happened to him yeah. yet in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very descriptive. Excellent lyric writing from James on this one. It, it is. It is. I mean, you know, phrases such as now that the war is through with me, that the war is this kind of natural force that, you know, no longer has any purpose for him. Um, just I can't remember anything. Can't tell if this is true or dream is a very evocative beginning as well. And, and needing to scream and the terrible silence stop me. Just, just the wartime novelty as well. And, and James's delivery as well. You know, scream. Ah! It just has that Hetfield bark on the end of certain lines. And um, I quite like the live versions. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on S&M and other ones where he'll sing the like, feed to the Jew that sticks in there. Like he'll really embellish that line. It's so powerful. It is. He kind of starts the lyric off in a flat voice. But Mm. as he, I see it as he's sort of discovering that he's incapacitated. And that's when, uh uh-oh. And his voice rises a little bit. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's totally, totally feel that as well. Yeah, his voice does sound quite drained at the beginning. And I like the use of backing vocals as well. The cannot see, like another persona, another sense of awareness dawning, this man who is nothing after the landmine. And I guess we can see certain antecedents maybe in disposable heroes, kind of similar territory thematically. Yeah, it's stuff that they've mined before, Mm -hmm. but I think this goes a little bit deeper. To me, like, at least from the perception, you know, the perception of a actual soldier, I think it even goes deeper than a For Whom the Bell Tolls or one of their older war songs. 
Yeah, yeah, and we get, you know, a few war songs as well on Hardwired, you know, Confusion most explicitly. I mean, Day That Never Comes as well. It's yes. always, it was interesting for, for James to um, plow that furrow. And the song just moves so effortlessly between the heavy and the soft and the whole my breath moment as well with the guitars, which sounds so chuggy. But, I mean, talking about the sound of the song as well, it's a little bit of an outlier on Justice, isn't it? It's got this kind of glistening quality, this cleanliness to it, this gleaming diamond, whereas the, all the album around it, Justice, is quite claustrophobic fresh. It's claustrophobic, but it's also dry, mm. and it, like like that early Metallica music too. So it's, you do get a sense of starkness, of, you know, a uh, sense of doom impending, mm. you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, it is so foreboding. This song, and it's it's it, it, it's a delight, <laughs> in spite of how outwardly depressing it is. I, I I just think it's a terrific ride. It never fails to have me spellbound because there's so many ideas in here. Like um, you know, after the second verse, when the classical ideas pile on the top, and we have that great Kirk lead line there, and it's not kind of. You almost feel there could be lashings of distortion on that or overdrive. That could be a really powerful moment. But again, the tone is very, very, you know, it's just drained. It's just there's not much kind of in it. There's not much dulled into the amp. It's a very kind of slim tone. And it works for it. There is a compelling tapestry of ideas that go on the top here. And kind of like the section in Master of Puppets where we have the arpeggio that then weaponizes itself when it goes soft and it starts to build and starts to build and goes towards the solo. I mean, the band are just so intelligent at doing this, aren't they? They really know where where to take the song into these interesting directions they really do and this song in particular it's such a slow build to Mm. get you to the to the more intense part you know kirk's playing is restrained yet it's uh you know it's very melodic still it's very uh clear and clean and they're getting somewhere you can tell because as the song progresses you can feel the tension building but it's very very slow and it's very very effective yeah yeah and you know now the world is gone i'm just one. Oh god help me that james singing on the top of those chords is irresistible and um you know I, I i love we have the slow encroaching of lars's double bass drum coming in in his sections before we fade out to nothing but that and then the chugging coming on the riffing i mean it's just headbang city right Sure. I mean, here comes the machine guns, right? Yeah. The enemy's arriving, yeah, and yeah. he's living. The, he's reliving the war in his head. Yeah, and James barking over the top. The darkness imprisoning me. All that I see, absolute horror. Again, lyrically, some of his absolute best work. And landmine. The, the way um, the the BVGs are back in that. I was all taking my speech, taking my hearing, taking my arms. I love the fact that the last two minutes or so, you know, are wordless, are evocative, really, of the descent into hell, the trauma that this soldier is experiencing. It's just, you know. The band are so good at this, aren't they? Look at Fade to Black and Sanitarium or whatever. They, the soft beginning, the heavy ending. But it's such a satisfying structure, isn't it? It's kind of like the free act structure in a play or in a film or something. It's kind of predictable. Like, okay, we're going to get really heavy at the den. We're going to get really traumatic and crashing down and whatever. But, you know, you can't deny that it works. Very much so. Prior to this machine gun section, he's 
kind of despairing. He's he hates this. He, he doesn't understand his situation. What's happened to me? But then the anger comes out, mm. and when he realizes that he hits landmine, he understands what has happened to him, and now he's like angry at his circumstances, at everything. So that's when he's screaming, and when that final hell into the into the uh, wordless, you know, to the yeah. instrumental section, it's really, really powerful. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is kind of the, the last words uh, before we enter this movement. And Kirk Solo, I think Kirk Solo is out of this world. Reminds me of like something out of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure or something. It's a real like kind of guitar hero noodly solo. It's proper old school shredding, but I, I think it's brilliantly judged. It really is. And it's ripping. He shreds it really bad. It's one of his best fast solos, yeah, yeah, yeah. in my opinion. Totally, totally he still right. had it at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Do not go back and watch that 2017 one. I actually, I actually didn't watch him. I actually just could, could barely get through the intro song. I'm going to go back and watch what he did on that. But um, yeah, and as with all these solos, you know, I point to like the Damage Inc. solo is a good example. Is James is such a good accompanying rhythm player underneath. He'll play different things. He'll shift to bring the best out of Kirk's playing. And Kirk does something that he'll do. He does kind of throughout his career, really. He does a lot in load and reload and stuff like that, where he'll kind of, he'll do a leak, he'll do a lick that will ape the rhythm underneath. So it's like when he does, you know, just, that's basically just mimicking what the drums and guitar are doing there. But it is just such an exciting movement here. I love the big bends. I love the playing. And, you know, the riff is just so damn heavy as well over the top. And then we get, you know, as Metallica did all the time as well, these great harmony sections. I love that they throw that right at the end. Just, just another cool thing to listen to. Yeah, it sounds so cool. It's again, it becomes more melodic from the shredding part from Kirk, mm-hmm. but it still maintains that intensity. You're still feeling that war. You know, the, it, the soldier's still reliving the war. You can't get away from it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Kind of flashes of PTSD here, kind of, you know, harking back to old memories. It's such a great expression of inward rage and immobility. And, you know, Metallica was so adept at this point of, of, of conjuring a, you know, wild display of emotions. This is just... I mean, yeah, this is... Obviously, it's a masterpiece. I think most people regard this as one of the very best songs that the band have ever done and as we always do we open it up to you guys at metallica pod uh ralph saying of one classic song of possibly the best metal album of all time possibly the most iconic double bass section in a song ever the lyrics are haunting and the video scared the bejesus out of me when i was a kid it follows the fade formula ballad like start to thrash Ryan saying, in high school, I had to do a book report on the book Johnny Got His Gun, which is a story one is based on. The only time I was excited to do schoolwork. It's a great song that hooked a lot of new fans at the time. Michael saying, maybe the best Metallica song ever. The lyrics are haunting. The music incredibly well composed. Those opening chords elicit a bleakness few songs can rival. I mean, talking about bleakness, Aaron, the, um, the S&M version is track as well. I think that's one of the best on the record. They use the orchestra so well to conjure the idea of warfare. They do, and it it works. Yeah, because I'm not I'm not crazy about having the orchestra playing along sure. with rock bands, but in this particular track, it does work very well. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, S and M is a tale of two cities. You know, sometimes it's just them kind of replicating the notes and not really doing much. Sometimes right. though, on one and, and other songs like Cthulhu, they kind of use it as more of a canvas, and you know, Cayman really goes wild with that. But um, but yeah, one, you know, just. It just, yeah, it, it's kind of beyond words, certain parts of it. I just, it hits an emotional core in me. I think 
the band was spot on here and um you know it's such a progressive progressive move for them isn't it like it's it's mad that what ride the lightning was like three years before four years before something like that like the the speed to which they grew as writers is still dumbfounded it really is the, the progression from each album is kind of staggering you know from kill em all to ride the lightning then the master of puppets and then to justice where they're really stretching the tracks out and almost having progressive metal type of things mm. seeping in mm, mm. yeah it's um you know it's again it's quite a long song for them as well i think it's topping out at like seven minutes or something like that like it's getting into that sort of register but there's not one moment of it that i think is misplaced or boring yeah, it's seven minutes 27 so yeah. um, you know there's tons of fucking long songs on justice so it doesn't really stand out on that regard it is one of their most popular songs, as I say. 1,469 times it's been played wow. live, which must be one of their top songs. I mean, they're going to play it at every concert for the rest of their lives, uh, understandably. It was first performed September 11th, 1988 in Budapest, Hungary. It was last performed just over a month ago in Grand Rapids, Michigan. That was March 13th, 2019. Um, yeah, it is an astonishing piece of music. Any more thoughts on the track, Aaron? Yeah, I don't think that one is Metallica's greatest song. That's probably Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. But I would argue that one is their most important song. It was a gateway for people like me to discover the band, especially through the music video. And then Metallica played this on the Grammys. They were getting critical recognition. And this is kind of the bridge to the mainstream that Metallica crossed, for better or worse. Yeah. It kind of laid the groundwork for the monster success of the Black Album to follow. It really did. And, you know, you mentioned the music video there, which I don't think I've... I can't really think of any of the music videos in history that kind of add speech to to the to the you know to the song and kind of become part of the song. And when I when we did our music video recap with my with my good friend Sam, who um, I should mention by the way, dear listeners, myself and my Sam's Tom Waits podcast Down in the Hole is now back. Um, we've rebooted it and we've got a new episode out. So search Down in the Hole in your in your feed. But um, Sam wasn't too familiar with with Metallica. God bless him. He only really knew Tom Waits and the Beatles. He hasn't got the most expansive taste. And he he loved this song, but he'd only listened to the music video. And when he listened to the Justice version, he was disappointed that the clips weren't there. And the clips do add something, don't they, narratively? Like, they they, they do make it a bit more of a fuller experience. They certainly do visually. Now, I like, if I'm listening to the song, I prefer, obviously, the original track. But yes, when you're watching the music video, it does add to the whole atmosphere of the song. So, of course, it's playing from Johnny Got His Gun, 1971, has a lot of dialogue from that. And Timothy Bottoms is the guy that we see most as playing Joe Bonham, who's the, who's the main character. And um, especially the final scene as the camera pulls out of that darkened ward is, you know, still gives me shivers to this day. And the video was debuted January 20th, 1989 by Bill Pope and Michael Solomon. And, and yeah, you're right. It did come kind of change everything so um so yeah that is one let us know what you think about one get in touch with me at metallicapod metallicapod at gmail.com um you know love to hear from you guys again if you want to hop on the song or do anything like that it'd be great to uh, hear from you again um we'll close with a few quick fire questions aaron what is your favorite metallica song well we've been talking about it now for the what the last 20 minutes yeah <laughs> yeah one <laughs> one is the one one is the one okay um a- anything else in that realm is one clearly number one for you no, I like, again, anything from the first four albums, I'm all about. Yeah. Anything from there, <laughs> you, you can throw any track from Kill 'Em All to Justice and I'll, yeah, I, I'm on board. I mean, yeah, like, 
it's been the revelation for me of this show. Like, I now genuinely adore Killer Mall. It was always like. I, I, didn't, I didn't dislike it, but it was maybe the little run to the first four for me. But now I probably put it on par with the rest. I obviously it's you know, you know dirtier and a bit more rudimentary, but I just think it's such a fun ride. I just think they nailed it. I love it. It's the building blocks. It's the very fir- it's the groundwork for everything yeah. to follow. Mm. Absolutely, but you know, anesthesia is as experimental and progressive as the band would ever get. You know, they were still spreading their wings even then. They sure were. What about favorite member of the band? Well, I don't really have one, but I'll put it this way. If I had the chance to choose one of them to hang out with, I'd probably take Lars. The yeah. man can talk. <laughs> yeah. I, have, you, have you listened much to his radio show? I need to check that out. I've listened to one. I think he had an interview with Dave Grohl. Yes. I listened to that. I haven't listened to every episode, but yeah, it's no, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know. Hetfield was on Joe Rogan. Lars is the obvious next guest. Like, that needs to sure. happen. I think uh, I would love to hear that. What about favorite album by Metallica? Uh, my favorite album is Ride the Lightning. Ride Over Master? Yes. Okay. I kind of feel like if I break it down track by track, they're so neck and neck. They're yeah, almost they are. E- they are. equal footing for me. Puppets almost kind of perfects what Lightning did, but Lightning is such an incredible leap forward from <laughs> Kill 'em All. And they just, but Creeping Death, Fade to Black, Fight yeah. Fire with the title. Tra- oh. I just, Lightning's the one for me. Tulu, if I have to, yeah. if I have to take one to the desert island, it's going to be Lightning. Bells, yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think I'll probably just edge Master, but but you're right, it's inches. It's a, it's an absolute game of inches. And I don't blame you, Tom. Puppets is right there. If I if I have to take Puppets with me to that desert island, I've got no problem with that. Yeah, yeah, and look. I, I love everyone that listens to the show. I respect all of you. But when I did my episode back in the day, Top 10 Metallic Albums, and I would see Hardwired and Load and Reload over Rider Master, I, I would just be pulling my hair out. I just did I just did yeah. not understand. It, it, it just baffled me. But, um, but yeah. So um, what about seeing the band live? Have you seen them live much? I've seen them six times. Mm. Uh, the first time I saw them was in 91. It was the Black Album Tour. It was called An Evening with Metallica. Oh, yeah. And they like showed clips of them like backstage before they were coming out. and th- So that was the first time I saw them. And then I hadn't seen them in like 20 years until last October 2018. Mm-hmm. I saw them on the Hardwired Tour. Okay, cool. So you've, so you've seen them quite a bit then on that tour. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was it. Was fun. I hadn't seen them in a long time. It's funny that they're older now. They they play a little bit different than when I first saw them. And there's you can quibble about any show, but it was still so much fun just just to be a part of it. And you know, I I I felt that old excitement again. It was great. And just to go back to one quickly before we close up, um, some honors that one was given. One was voted the uh, the seventh of the hundred greatest guitar solos of all time by readers of Guitar World. It was placed between November Rain at number six and Hotel California at number eight. I've got to be honest, I I wouldn't say that like the guitar solo is why I put one at the top. You know what I mean? And I think I think there's a lot better Metallica guitar solos than the one guitar solo. I do agree, but I do think as far as Kirk's, I think it's because of Kirk's shredding, which I think is one of his better performances, and then that harmonized section, which is so cool. True, yeah, yeah. Um, Apparently in 2000... I would definitely rank it above November Rain. (laughs) (laughs) I 
actually quite like the I November. Know. I mean, there's free November Rain solos. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I like November Rain fine, but I, <laughs> I probably would take one over it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. And I think I think there's better Guns N' Roses solos than November Rain as well. Yes. And um, I mean, Hotel California is pretty untouchable, though. It's a, it's iconic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it yeah. is. Still, still one of the best. Um, in 2009, 2011, and 2012, one was voted by listeners of the New Zealand radio station The Rock as the greatest rock song of all time. I don't know what sort of accolade that is. You know, it's The Rock. It's not VH1 or whatever, but but still. And of course, it was nominated for and won the first ever Grammy Award for Best Metal Performance in 1990. Good for them. They should. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. That's the inaugural one. I didn't realize that. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, it's pretty awesome. So um, final question. If you did, if you were to do a podcast like Alf Metallica about a band, what, what's a band you'd like to do them on? Oh, wow, Tom. There's about 30 or 40 yeah. bands. I could comfortably do a show like this one on. A few examples, like Led Zeppelin, yeah. Van Halen, Iron Maiden, oh. The Who, The Doors, oh. so many others. Yeah, I mean, I from doing this show, I become obsessed with, with obviously for asking this question as well, Just I love podcasts about bands. And um, do you, are you aware of any Van Halen podcasts? There is one, the Dave and Dave. I, li- I listen to that one. Do you one. listen to that? I, 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 I do. I adore that show. Yeah, I think they're it's fantastic. Like, I yeah, I think they're absolutely brilliant. Like, they have really opened and they have such good guests, and they're so knowledgeable. And um, uh, yeah, Van Halen are absolutely incredible. I don't think there's a Doors podcast, but there definitely should be. Boy, that that needs to change. Yeah, I just I just found out the other day they're not necessarily one of my favorite bands, but I just saw it on Twitter. It's quite cool. There's a Leonard Skinner podcast, which is which is like Alpha Metallica. It's a guy just going for all the songs. But he'll like play the song and like give a commentary on it and stuff like that, which is quite cool. But yeah, there are a few podcasts that do what you. There's a Kiss one that you there like. Is, yours. There's a Bruce yeah. Springsteen one like you do. There, there's there is. A, there's a yeah. I, I stole the idea. Obviously, it's not really an original idea, but I stole it from. There's a Beatles one. Um, Alphabet, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think it's called like Completely Beatles or something like that. But Alpha Beatallica works yes, as well. Yes, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Alpha, Alpha, Alpha Beatles, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah but, but yeah, it's, it's it's a fun way to do it. I, you know, it has taken a long time to do, and there's lots of bands that I would like to do it on as well. But it's kind of it's not laborious, but it just you know I'm I'm like two or so years into it. But um, but yeah, those are all good choices. And I guess you know, finally, is there anything you'd like to promote? You know, any social media or. Yes, uh, I am a fellow podcaster. Mm. I have a weekly podcast called Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews. It's kind of a tongue twister. Uh, We review a music album track by track every week. Uh, We've been around since August 2017. I've got regular guest hosts, but it's open for anyone to come on and talk about a record they like or don't like. I mean, so far it's pretty focused on mostly like classic rock, classic metal, but we're pretty open to almost anything. We have episodes covering from Tori Amos to Slayer and all points in between. Cool. Cool. I I've, 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 I've just I've just yeah. subscribed. I've just subscribed. I will be listening. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, to get a hold of us, I'm kind of stunted social with social media. I've got to be better with that. But we do have an email address, RidiculousRockRecords at, at gmail.com. And then we have a Ridiculous Rock Record Reviews Facebook page. we got to get on the Twitter thing, though. Mm, yeah, yeah, you definitely do. And you've got to have me on the show as well. I'd love to come on. Oh, absolutely, Tom. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did a Master of Puppets episode. We did. That's okay. the only Metallica one we've done so far. Only the first. Oh, you covered Remain in Light, one of my favorite albums ever. Yeah, we've done all the big four. We we try to you know pretty wide range. It crosses the rock spectrum, but yeah, you know, like I said, we're we're open to anything. Yeah, you we're got open to suggestions on here. Too. Um, Oasis, Finn Lizzy, Appetite. Oh, we love Lizzy. Yeah. we've oh. done two Finn Lizzy. Oh, uh, what what else did you do? We've done Johnny the Fox and Jailbreak. You did Rain Dogs by Tom Waits. 
Love that Yo, album. Oh, amazing. And I okay. need to listen to that. I didn't realize that you did. A, I got to listen to your Tom Waits oh, podcast. Yeah. Oh, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because no, I'll that, definitely dive into that, too. Yeah, that was the that was our first ever podcast. So it was um, we did an album by album review and we went through That's all the like 20 episodes, went through his whole back catalog. And now we're coming back and we're kind of doing more kind of like what Dave and Dave do, just more topic based now. So we're doing right. uh, we've got an episode coming up on top 10 Sidemen. They're on studio records with him. Um, we're going to look at, you know, his spoken word pieces and blah, blah, blah. But, but yeah, this sounds like a great podcast. Actually. Really cool. I'm really glad that I uh, discovered this as well. Yeah. Oh, you've got television. I hope so. I, hopefully we'll get the alphabetical bump. Yeah. <laughs> it's not much. It's a small nudge in listenership. No, we're, not, but, uh... we're small potatoes, Tom. <laughs> we're, not, we're not as big as alphabetical. All right. Well, um, this has been great. Again, people, let us know what you think about one. Get in touch with me in general, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to hop on the show and do a discussion. We have got Orion next with Andre Vasilenko, who is an incredibly talented Metallica YouTuber and bass player. Really excited to talk about that. Then we're doing the Outlaw Torn, Overkill, Phantom Lord, Poor Twisted Me, The Prince, Prince Charming, and Pumping Blood. That's the next month or so. Uh, we're on Patreon if you want to support us there. You want to get access to the show on your phone. Download it before anyone else can listen to it. iTunes is there. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Tunes. Go check out um, Aaron's podcast. Put the link down below. Go check out all the other Metallica podcasts and um, that Leonard Skinner one. Why not? Check that one out as well. But um, Aaron, this has been great. Thank you again. It's been an honor, Tom. Tom.